question that, that you said about, well, when you were talking about how they, the police were saying how to give them $3 because they could turn it to $5,000. So, I sometimes have a hard time going with that. You know, if you feel in your being to give, does it really matter what they do with that then? I mean, I know you're not out there supporting people doing drugs or buying gun stuff, but it's coming from a place within you where you're just giving out the kindness. Does it matter then what they do with the money? Because it's no longer yours inside. It's an excellent question, John. Because, you know, your intention in some ways is pure. But I think this is where um, we move out of the realm from your individual action to the social ramifications. So I think from your own perspective, you know, if your motivation is pure, then it does stop there. But we don't live in an isolated bubble, you know, and what we do affects the people around us. So if our intentions are pure and it's causing chaos around us, then it's really helpful to wake up to that and then to um, see if we can make a choice that doesn't cause so much chaos. Or see if we can find a way of giving that... um, still giving that doesn't have such repercussions okay Mm -hmm. so it's an excellent question and I think this is where it moves out of you know the sphere from our individual motivation and the effect of that to into a social context and the ramifications of that yeah the example that they gave you about that one does put it in a position to get it to not but put about the $3 to the homeless person or the pay him or they'd like to do with it. You know, they do good with it. Now we have to decide who's deserving of that and not because that comes down to. Right, and that's something that I didn't have a lot of, I didn't feel really comfortable with and they took it, they took it further. You know, they said don't look at any of these people in the eye and don't be kind to them. And it's like, you know, you want to live in the tight, frightened, freaked out, miserable world. That's your prerogative, but it's not mine. Why did they recommend that? They were saying that there were a lot of people who were being aggressive, that there were people who were, um, you know, one, one woman, one woman was saying that these people, some of them were by the grocery store. And basically they would, they would, um, tell them that if they didn't give them money that they would ask them or be aggressive with them. So that if they made eye contact, it gave them an invitation to, to do things that were not okay. You know, one of the things that I've really enjoyed about riding on my bike is that I just cut across all kinds of different um, social groups that I don't normally have contact with, and one of the groups that I contact is the homeless people. So there's homeless people who are hanging out alongside the bike path in various places. And I make a point of eye contact and saying hello, and I make a point of being friendly. I have, I've never experienced anybody doing anything like that with me. It's opposite. People normally they want to take care or be friendly. Can you have a spoon? I'm in fishing ginger out. 
So the, the people then, they were, they were in a situation of judging everybody by their one or two interactions. I think every homeless person, if you have one bad experience, and every, every homeless person is going to be like that. Right. Yeah, I don't think that's correct. No. And the fact that we have so many homeless people, it's like, you know, our, the fabric of our society is breaking apart. We need to look at the causes and conditions that give rise to that. I watched a movie last night, which was absolutely brilliant. It's two hours long, and it's really worth it. It's called Thrive. And I can't remember his first name, but this fellow who's from the Procter & Gamble family, you know, he was groomed to take over the kind of, whatever, the empire. And he made different choices, and was interested in, in just looking at life, you know. His understanding was is that, you know, things are meant to thrive. You know, things are actually meant to flourish. And so what keeps them from flourishing? And so this question of, you know, things are meant to thrive, what keeps them from flourishing, and how can we come back into that? And so he goes into investigations of all kinds of stuff. Food and medicine and money and control and free energy systems and, and all the rest of that. And comes up with a, a view of, you know, what's been happening on this planet for the last whatever and what's needed in order to redirect it back to something that works for more people. And there's a lot of stuff in there that is not easy to wrap your mind around at first glance because he's talking about um, extraterrestrials and information exchange and this whole kind of um, like blueprint of energy that's available for everybody. Uh, we just need to know how to access it. And, um, and then he talks about other things as well, which is the kind of the you know, the monetary problems of our world right now and how they've gotten to be that way. And, and um, so it's a, it's, it's a very well-made movie and it's extremely well-documented. And every fact that they state in the movie, they have had independent people verify. So it's not like it's a bunch of hocus-pocus nonsense. It's actually stuff that's all been researched and verified. It's not... It's not just coming out of somebody's idea. But he's looking at this from a really wide perspective. And uh, I, it feels to me like it's a really important movie because it feels like, you know, to look at it from that kind of a perspective really um, begins to start crystallizing the kinds of things that need to be acted on on a very local level in order to move in a healthy direction and what we need to do on a local level, to, to, to make inroads into this mad thing that's been going on for a while to stop it, you know, to, or to, 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 to make it less. So, I mean, I would love to show it to you. I just, you know, it takes two hours, and it's, it's 
six now. So I don't know what you'd like to do, but it's, it feels like it's a really important thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'd, be, I'd be interested to hear your thoughts on it. But it ties in very nicely with the conversation of karma. Because here is where individual actions and intention and choices intersects with a global one. And, you know, we're, we're in a, we're in a confluence of global crises that are beyond what individual people can solve. You know. It's, um, it's a really interesting time. It's a really interesting time. Well, isn't there such a thing as group karma? Yeah. There is group karma. I'm not quite sure how that operates. So what about the intention behind an action? Is that also karmically influenced? Like where does the intention itself come from? Well, that's where, you know, in a Buddhist perspective, it's not sealed. So in every moment, there's the ability to choose how we're relating to what's happening. But certainly, the actions, where we come up with the actions, are going to be influenced by previous actions, mm-hmm. you know. So if the tendency is... You know, every time you get furious to do something generous, it's going to have a very different effect than if every time you get furious, you smack somebody. (laughs) You know? So the capacity to be generous would be the result of the previous conditioning to be generous. You know? But in every instance, there's the possibility to choose what you're doing and where you're placing your attention. So in that way... You know, the Buddhist teachings is not deterministic. It's a middle path. Because it's not fixed. The whole thing is not fixed. There's choice. But you can see that the way conditioning operates with some people, it doesn't look like they've got a lot of choice because the condition that they have has so strongly conditioned them to a particular way that it it feels like they don't have much choice. You know, they just absolutely choice. Now, Ajahn Brahm told this story. Ajahn Brahm is a monk in Australia. He was doing some work teaching meditation in a prison. And he went there, and this man, this big man, came up shaking, crying, and told a story. (coughs) You know, it's one of these stories that just makes you want to cry. It's just incredible. So this man grew up in a horrendous family. Horrendous family. He went to a horrendous school. And he was eight years old, and a kid wanted his lunch. And he said no. So the kid stabbed him. So he went home to his father with his stab wound. I mean, you can just imagine. I mean, an eight-year-old kid? I mean, you can just imagine. And the dad took him into the kitchen opened up the kitchen knives and said, Son, you go and sort this out yourself. Okay? So, who knows everything that happened after that? But you can only imagine what happened after that. Okay? So he ended up in prison, and in this particular prison, they had a farm, and everybody, all the prisoners, had a job. And the prize job was to be the person who slaughtered the cows. That was like the prize. That was the king dude who had the slaughterer's position. So he got that job. 
So, you know, they had a stunning gun, so they'd, they'd shoot them twice. They'd shoot them one to stun them, and they'd shoot them to kill. You know, where the cows come down the, the plank way for the, and they're totally agitated. They're totally freaked out. You know, they know what's going on. And, and there's nothing that they can do to prevent it. And so they're absolutely distraught. You know, so they shoot to stun and shoot to kill and shoot to stun and shoot to kill and shoot to... So he's doing this for however many hours a day. You know, fabulous job for a person like that, you know? So one day he goes in there, same thing, shoot to stun, shoot to kill, shoot to stun, shoot to kill. And there's a cow that's walking down who's totally different from all the rest of them. She's not freaked out. She has enormous dignity and composure. And she gets to the end, and she's looking at him in his eyes, and she's just present with him. And he notices how big her eyes are, and he notices that her eyes well up with tears, and tears drip down one eye, and drip down the other eye. And he completely flipped out and started screaming and swearing and hollering, and he went to whoever was on guard. He says, I can't kill that cow. I don't care what you have to do to me, but I can't kill that cow. He said, I have never experienced compassion in my whole life. I can't kill that cow. So he went to Ajahn Brahm. He said, I want to be a vegetarian, and I want you to teach me to meditate. So here you have, you know, who knows what kind of causes and conditions gave rise to being born in that kind of a family, you know? I have no idea. But you have darkness that's leading to darkness. And how on earth would an eight-year-old be able to navigate something like that other than through darkness? You know, it's a brutal, cutthroat, you know, survival world. There's no kindness and so that world then gives rise to more violence and to more hell and to more darkness and to more fear and to more... And then something happens and he connects with a moment of kindness and compassion in a completely out of, like, you wouldn't imagine. And it broke his heart open. He could see there was a choice. Before that, he didn't have a choice. So, you know, I mean, there's a, you don't know what it's like until you walk a mile on another person's moccasins, you know. It's hard to know what's actually a person is navigating until you've actually been in their shoes. Is that this movie Drive that you're on, or is this something else? Okay. This movie is called Thrive. Thrive. And that was a story about Ajahn Brahm. seems kind of mysterious in that way, too. I mean, why, you know, how did I, why did you come into the contact with that cow? You know? Yeah, so when you have a situation like that, where you've got somebody whose life has, you know, all kinds of causes and conditions that give rise for fear and aggression and violence and survival instinct, and then all of a sudden they come in contact with something which is altogether different. You know? Where did that come from? It's a good question. 
don't know where that came from. So, you know, I'm not somebody who can see, I can't see the workings of karma like that. I can sometimes have a sense myself of things that happen, you know, and certain intentions bring certain results. And sometimes it can happen incredibly quickly, you know, just incredibly quickly. But, you know, I don't, I don't have much sense of, of how, how it's operating for others. But what I do know is, is, is that the efforts that I make to create positive potentials and positive seeds has good results. And the efforts that I make to not create negative ones also has good results. So I know that. Do you have a sense of, um, is your sense of karma a little bit, how is it, is it clear now? Is it more confused now? Do you have more sense of what it, how it operates? For me, I think it's pretty clear now because I think I was pretty confused before. You know, because you do hear a lot from different people. I think you sort of have a notion about it, but not really have a clear idea about what it is. And I think, too, it's hard. You know, if you look at it, you know, there's the idea that it's just sort of consequences from previous life or whatever, you might say. But it's hard because I don't really believe that. So that that was confusing too, you know. Yeah, but now I think it's it makes more sense. Somebody once said and I thought this was really beautiful. So person went and asked, you know, how how should I how should I live my life? And the teacher said, Well, you know, if if you if you don't believe that there's another life, if you think that this is just it, there's no more life then you, you'd want to be really careful to um, not do anything that's harmful and to learn as much as you can because this is the only chance you've got and you want to be extremely careful to have, take every opportunity to do good things and to be generous and to practice and to practice with enormous diligence because you don't have another chance. Okay. And then he said, but if you do believe that there's another life, then you're going to want to live very carefully because you don't want to have to deal with the ramifications of negative things in the past. And you're going to want to live with a lot of care and kindness because all of those things that you do are going to have an effect in the, in the future. And you're going to want to practice diligently because the effects of the practice is one of the only things that you can carry with you into the future. And so, you know, on that level, it's like, it doesn't really matter. <laughs> So I'm going to be away for three weeks. I'm leaving on Wednesday, not this Wednesday, the following Wednesday. And um, you're certainly continuing welcome to use the space. You know, that'd be fine. And um, it's lovely um, when people can gather and share a little bit about their own practice and talk about things that done And so... You know what I would encourage, maybe if, if 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 you want to meet, then between those of you who are going to be meeting together, just to pick a theme that you'll spend a f- some time with considering in advance to present ten minutes of uh, like your own reflections on it, and then use that as a kind of um, um, sounding board or starting board for a discussion. 
because it's it's helpful to meet and talk. You know, it's helpful to meet and talk. And and even though you know everybody's interacting with all kinds of other people, it's not that often that you can actually speak about topics related to meditation and practice. And sometimes when you talk about stuff, um, things can clarify in ways that you know can be very helpful. So there's all kinds of stuff that's online. And, uh, you know, as a springboard for looking at or listening to a talk or something that can give you a kind of an idea of something to present. See how that goes. And then next Saturday is the, is the day-long, day-long retreat. Mm-hmm. We haven't gotten on you on one of those yet, John. Day-long? Yeah. What is that all about? It's just doing more of the same, but over a whole day. And, uh, you know, it's from, I think we started at 10, we ended at 4. I have a break for lunch. So there's sitting and walking and dharma talks. And I would imagine the walking meditation would probably be not so easy for you. But um, we'd find ways of making accommodations that would work if you were willing to join. And this Saturday might be too soon, but if there was one in the future you wanted to be part of, you'd be welcome. It seems like weather is a big thing. You know, when it gets cold and the body just doesn't... Doesn't do it very well. Yeah. No, it just starts to shut down. So, yeah, we have to kind of see how it is, how it works out. Yeah, I can understand that. I spent years when my body was really highly, highly affected by the weather. So, I know what that's like. I haven't detached from that yet. So, yeah, I still experience the cold. Yeah. When I was at the Cresto, there's a hot mineral bath that's not that far away from there. We went and slept in it. It was just fabulous. Oh, my goodness. It's just wonderful. Did I go there? This was a public one, and it was lovely because there were different pools, and so I managed to be in the pools where nobody was around. Mm-hmm. So I had kind of privacy. It was great. It was just, oh, it was just lovely. Were there other things that come up around the theme of karma? Questions, comments, confusions. With with ignorance, is that do they use that just with not seeing the grasping and aversion? Is that how ignorance is used as being like when you were talking about ignorance being the cause of karma, or maybe did you just define ignorance in relation to karma? I'm not that clear on it, so. I know that when there's no ignorance present, there's no karma that's generated, but I don't actually know. I can't actually map out why. So, when we look at the wheel of dependent origination, there's 12 links, and the first one is ignorance, and ignorance and sense consciousness are linked together. So there's something about the first two links and the way that they are linked together, that when the ignorance is not operating, then the whole rest of the wheel is not operating. So the whole um, the whole cycle then is broken when there's no ignorance. And so the cycle ends up with um, there's contact, feeling, desire, craving, birth, um, old age, sickness, and death.
sorrow, lamentation, pain, grief, and despair. Okay, so that kind of does that whole thing. But the link points, there's a couple of link points. One of the link points that most of us can connect with is when desire moves into grasping. You know, the kind of wanting something moves into like really hankering after it. When we have that mindfulness to be able to see that, we can cut that there. But in a highly realized being where ignorance is not operating at all, there, the whole, there's no, there's no cycle, there's no wheel. There is no, um, birth, there is no death, there's no sorrow, lamentation, pain, grief, and despair. So, karma would be the, the result of the effect of that wheel. You know, where our mind intends is where we are born. So this kind of birth is not like a physical birth of a human being. This is the birth of an of a wanting or a desiring or a thinking or, a, you know, wanting to move in a particular direction. You know, so we can see, you know, we can be born into having a cup of coffee or having, you know, scrambled eggs or, or you know, being on the rocks or, you know, going to the movies or something like that. It's the way the mind inclines on something and grasps into it and then, there's a, there's a movement towards um, that action without the clarity of all the things that are motivating it. And then once something is born, then inevitably there's this whole cycle that follows after that. You know, once something is manifested in that way, there's going to be the aging, and then the death, and then the sorrow lamentation that comes with it. And so you know. Like, you know, the death in a coffee is, is just the fact that the flavor of it is not so lovely when you get towards the last sip, or the, maybe that it cools down, or, I mean, it's not the kind of, it's not the kind of death of, of, of a person. It's, it's just the, the, the slight dissatisfaction of the initial, the initial feeling is, is not something that is sustained throughout the entire experience. You know, or that it's finished. I didn't hear any interest to gather together to watch this movie, so um, what, what would you like me to do? It's a link. It's on YouTube, so I can send it to you. Should I do that? Yeah. yeah. We'll put it on Facebook. Yeah. Yeah. You're not on Facebook. No, we haven't done that yet. I forgot about that. Yeah, I'm on Facebook. But if it's on YouTube, the movie Thrive is on YouTube? Yeah. Can you just go on YouTube and Thrive? I can send you a link for and I can put it on the against the stream Colorado streams for it. Yeah. yeah. I, I think it's I think it's an important movie. Because to me it takes our individual practice into a a larger spectrum of like, you know, I mean it has felt to me for a while that the planet is on a tipping point in terms of whether we're going to be moving in a direction where there's more darkness, more suffering, or whether we move in a direction where there's people are getting their needs met and there's more sense of being able to come into the fullness of what it is to be a human being. This movie only talks about for like a minute and a half and two hours about the value of meditation. And in a contemplative tradition, you know, it would be that would be the kind of center point from which everything else would revolve. But the point of the movie is for Mainstream, you know, and 
meditation is not yet mainstream. Anyway, very curious what you think about it. I've heard of it. Somebody else recommended it to me. Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.